0: Welcome to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum focused and dedicated to helping sales development professionals get better at their jobs and push the practice of sales development forward. This is a place for practitioners in the trenches every day getting it done, whether they're called SDRs, BDRs, ADRs, or others. It's a team charged with creating pipeline out of inbound lead activities and outbound approaches. My name is David Delaney, and I'm the host of the Sales Development Podcast. If you've got subjects you'd like to hear covered on the show or guests you'd like to hear from, hit me up via email at david at 10bound.com or LinkedIn, or Twitter, or be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, or wherever you found us. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Sales Development Podcast. I am so excited and really honored to be joined by someone who I've looked up to for a long time and have met a few times at various events um, here and there over the years. Um, I'm joined uh, today with Christina McMillan, who's the director of research at Topo. Christina, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me, David.
0: No, absolutely. I'm so glad that we could make some time to get you on. And, um, you know, like I said, I've been just a huge fan of Topo and everything that you've been working on over the last couple of years. And, you know, I think that, um, as I mentioned kind of before the show, I think what's awesome about your experience is a lot of the people that come on the show are in their company, working on their projects, very heads down, and you're going from company to company and, you know, different industries and verticals and working with a lot of different people. So really excited to have your take on the show.
1: Awesome. Well, I'm excited to share our perspective. I hope it's helpful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, tell us, if folks are not familiar with Christina and Topo, tell us a bit about your background and how you ended up over at Topo.
1: Sure. So I'll go a little farther back um, in terms of how I got started in my sales career. So uh, my first uh, foray into sales was actually a gig setting appointments for market research studies. So we were calling into Fortune 1000 organizations, trying to get them to agree to uh, spend an hour and a half, if you can imagine, an hour and a half on the phone with one of our uh, researchers to answer a bunch of questions and sort of uh, you know, showcase under the hood of what they're doing. Um, and these were to, to validate... Um, what it was that buyers cared about um, uh, around particular solutions. So it was an awesome experience to sort of be on the phones. And ex- I say awesome, because I, I mean it in a way that I can relate to the pain. Um, but it really, it really was awesome, because you sort of get to see all different types of prospects. So that was my first entry into sales. And then from there, um, the organization that I was with, um, I actually stayed with for the next nine years. And we specialized um, it was a company called SalesRamp. We specialized in building sales development and inside sales teams for startups all over the valley. And so um, I was very fortunate enough to have a mentor who um, I actually share with our our chief analyst at Topo Craig. We share the mentor, Stu Silverman, um, who really got us going with a lot of the fou- foundational fundamental things that are important in sales. So I did that as a consultant for many, many years where we would effectively be the sales development leader for hire. We'd go in and we'd build those teams either from scratch or if they had an existing team, we'd go in and sort of overhaul it, um, get the thing up and running and and producing, and then sort of transition it over to a leader that was going to stay um, on with the organization, then we'd kind of ride off into the sunset and do it all over again every four to six months at a new company. So that was a really great trial by fire experience. Um, I also spent a, a couple of years as a practitioner, um, as a director of sales development at a company called Five Nine. Um, that was a good experience. And then I was sort of lured back into the um, uh, consulting advisory world uh, by Topo. And to give you an idea of who Topo is, so we are a research and advisory uh, firm that specializes in um, marketing and demand gen sales development and sales as our practices, uh, our, our focus areas. And what that means is uh, we do a ton of research and data collection around um, those different practice areas around what makes those functional areas successful, um, and what are the sort of different strategies and tactics, um, that, that sort of make that possible. So we collect hundreds of data points, particularly around sales development to understand things like, um, Multi-touch patterns, what are the different touches that SDRs are seeing the most success with? Comp plans, how should comp plans be structured for success? Um, Organizational design, things like inbound and outbound specialization, um, things like go-to-market strategy, um, plays, for sales development, a, a variety of things. And so we take all of that data along with our best practices and we distill that down into actionable um, uh, insights for our clients. And we also have a consulting arm that helps build playbooks and all of that stuff. But that's kind of the gist of, of how I got to Topo.
0: Excellent. Okay. And as director of research, tell us about how you go about the research and do, do you, you know, work with other people? Are you doing the research? You know, how does that whole process work?
1: Yeah, that's a great <laughs> question. Um, so it's, it's an arduous process, um, as you can imagine. I think you've participated in some of our surveys in the past. So um, yes. we do a variety of, of collection techniques. We, we collect data via SurveyMonkey surveys, which could be anywhere as short as a five-minute survey to something um, closer to 30 to 45 minutes for some of our benchmarks. Um, and we... Some of it is just straight-up metrics collection. Um, Other types of collection we do are also more qualitative. Where We'll actually do in-depth interviews with practitioners and or sales and marketing leaders to understand what are the secret sauce that's sort of making their team work. Um, So we believe heavily in the data, but that data is is not just those metrics, but a lot of the qualitative um, and anecdotal information that really um, pieces all of those metrics together for a successful strategy.
0: Okay, excellent. And then you so you're pulling all this data. Sometimes it's like pulling teeth, I know, because (laughs) it's tough. And you get all this data into a, uh, you know, a collection. And then how do you kind of put that out as your papers or as part of your consulting?
1: Yeah, so um, great question. So we distill all that data down. That's really kind of the the secret sauce of Topo, if you will, we distill it all down and analyze it um, and pull out what we believe are those actionable insights. And then we publish them for our clients. So we publish them in the form of um, frameworks, which are, uh, you can think of it as sort of strategic overviews for how, how to think about and structure sales development, for example. Um, we also publish them into our benchmark reports. Um, we also do technology benchmark reports. Um, and then things like state of the state, which sort of tell you about some of the higher level trends um, that are coming out in sales development. So those are kind of our marquee seminal reports that are very data-backed. And then we sort of go that next level deeper to say, okay, with all of that data, how does somebody take that thought leadership and translate that into something for them to go do? Um, so at to- at uh, Topo, we have a mantra of specificity. We believe that specificity is how you translate um uh, those thoughts into meaningful action, and so unlike you know just sort of <laughs> the blogosphere out there, there's a lot of good stuff out there. Most folks folks are left feeling like, oh, that's really cool. I know what utopia looks like, but how do I actually go do that? And so we believe that it's um, one of the purposes of our research is to help people translate um, that data and that insights into those actionable um, uh, steps for them to go do. So what that might mean is something more prescriptive around okay, I know that my SDRs should develop messaging that is very targeted towards the buyer. How do I go do that? Um, we actually will, will educate our, our clients on how to create buyer personas and how to translate that messaging into um, different SDR touches. It could be like how to translate that into voicemail copy. And we're not talking about templates or scripts. We're actually talking about how do you develop a deep understanding of the buyer Within your sales development team, such that they can um, uh, know the most important things to to glean from a buyer persona, understanding those challenges and being able to tailor the conversation appropriately.
0: Does that make excellent. sense? Excellent. Yeah, excellent example. I mean, so if I'm sitting there as an SDR manager, I'm trying to figure out, okay. Um, there's two or three things something's wrong like something's wrong with with my program Um, so first step number one could be the topo blog right because a lot of these research papers are actually published there and it's a good place to start for them right
1: definitely so we 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 have given a lot back to the community we believe that that's really important is to Share some of these, these secrets, if you will. And so often, um, you know, we would encourage folks to go to our blog for look to look for things like, um, you know, the fundamentals of an SDR voicemail, um, or, uh, you know, benchmark data uh, to just understand sort of how, how are we doing against other SDR teams or how am I as an individual SDR doing against my peers? Um, so yeah, we share a lot of that on our blog.
0: Yeah and and it's kind of like you can go the do it yourself route up to a certain mm-hmm. point and then of sure. course you've got the consulting arm which you know if the managers and the leaders get involved it's like okay we can actually have someone from topo come in and help us with this.
1: Yeah totally and actually a big piece of of my piece of the business that um I think clients find most valuable is the ability to have somebody sort of on on a speed dial if you will or v a bat phone to ask those critical questions so when you're like great you know we're trying to change comp plans we might be at a a a stalemate with some of the other folks in the organization and i just need a sounding board who can provide that third party um uh, unbiased opinion if you will backed by data as to how are other companies solving these problems um and so oftentimes um, we're called in to help unstick some of those conversations which i i find incredibly fun i actually love that most about what we do
0: yeah, you're a, a neutral third party. It's like, mm-hmm. look, we we spent all this uh, time uh, getting the data. We put it in. Here's what other companies are doing. Here's our, you know, recommendation or our advice, and you know, take it from there.
1: Yeah, and what most most folks want is um, there's sort of there's sort of two things. You you, you want to be able to have some confidence that the direction you're going in um, is is somewhat sound, such that like I'm literally not like leading my troops off the cliff here. Um, so you, you want that, that um, sounding board to sort of make sure you're not crazy. Um, and then the other piece is, is you know when we start to look at who we survey, we survey um, predominantly SaaS, not 100%, but predominantly SaaS. And we look at the high growth companies within that data set. And so we're, look, we're talking companies that are growing like um, 40 plus percent a year. And so when we're trying to model our process, you know whether you be a, a, a smaller startup organization or even a a large billion dollar organization you're trying to make these changes you want to align them to the teams that have the the highest success rates right so what are those teams doing that are driving growth rates like that or you know for teams that have a high acv versus a low acv like tell me what other people like me are doing and that's i think where they really find that 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 magic and that value
0: yeah, you I it reminds me of an expression you become the the sum total of like the five people that you hang out with the most. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like yeah. So it's like, you know, model yourself toward the companies that are, you know, skyrocketing um and yeah. and you guys have that data. And so, just to kind of pivot a little bit, in your research that you've seen um recently, are there two or three things that the managers or the SDRs on the call can can um take away that you've seen These are some trends that are actually working, that are helping teams to, you know, improve their performance. What's working now um, from Mm -hmm. that you've seen over your breadth of the research lately?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the words (laughs) (laughs) account-based. I'm sure everybody's kind of like, oh, well, what does that really mean? So, I mean, truth be told, like on a very specific level, we are seeing Teams that are having great success are the ones that are that are rolling back the previous approach of the spray and pray or the hundred percent email um, and stuff like that. So teams that are returning to the fundamentals of good sales hygiene are the ones that are experiencing the greatest success. And so what that means are things like um, when I say account based, everybody starts to think, okay, customization—that's what that, that means. But what is customization actually? look like, um, in a particular account. And so what we're helping to translate is, um, you know, from our research are things like understanding which accounts deserve a certain level of customization and understanding which accounts don't such that I as an SDR can still get enough done, um, to have enough volume to, to put up numbers that are impactful for the organization. So things like, um, how do I do that customization? Um, understanding and, and really for leaders to document that in the organization, a process for customization that makes it easier for my team to execute on. So instead of going to LinkedIn and looking through um, somebody's profile, just to understand that they like to row on the weekends and so does my dad and making some really lame, loose connection like that, um, I would say like, great, if I can go find something meaningful and meaty, great. But if not, what is my default customization? And it always comes back to the buyer. So um, we spend a lot of time with our clients on educating around how to create buyer personas for sales specifically. And I know I mentioned this a little bit before, but it's it's my soapbox, so I'll get on it. <laughs> um, but but the buyer is so critical to everything that we do. So helping translate classic buyer personas that tell us, you know, what the person likes to do on the weekends and that they got their MBA and all that stuff into stuff that I as an SDR might actually talk about on the phone with a person is critical. So the the teams that are having the most success today are the ones that are doing that. They're identifying the challenges in that buyer's words that my sdr can directly translate to their email messaging for example so i can say you know we're talking to tons of other buyers whatever that role is just like you Um, and the thing that i'm hearing most of all is that they're experiencing challenges around x Um, and what i'd love to talk to you about is how we actually helped solve x for so and so over at this other company so they're using those stories. So I'm making these these people connections around the, the sort of the, what I express as the connection you're trying to make is for that person to mentally think, you get my life. Okay, you get it. Like y- you actually understand what it is. So yes, you're a salesperson. And yes, you may not be You know, in IT like I am, or in finance like I am, or something like that. But at least you get the challenges because you're talking to a lot of people just like me, and so we're making that connection, and that's making them a lot more successful. So that that would be one example. Um, Another would be um, truly being multi-touch. So um, everybody's talking about there. Everybody talks about social selling, and it's not social selling exactly, but time and time again, we go into more and more SDR teams that are. So email heavy that the SDRs are just not picking up the phone or they're only picking up the phone if the prospect has agreed to a call via email first. And I just think I can't echo enough that, um, you know, everybody says cold calling is dead. I believe that like there there is no reason why calls have to be cold. There are a lot of opportunities for us to warm it up, but it would be remiss to ignore the phone as a meaningful channel, um, especially if we believe that nobody else is using it. Then one would argue that you have a better chance of standing out. Um, and so, truly leveraging a multi-channel approach um, is what some of the most successful reps are doing.
0: Okay, I love that. So I, I want to dig in on both of those. Those are great. Sure. Okay. So account based is everywhere. You're hearing more and more mm-hmm. about that, and I'm sure that the SDR managers, uh, you know, out there are trying to get their head around what that what that means. And it and I've heard Trish Bertuzzi has talked about it. You guys have talked about it, starting with the buyer and the persona mm-hmm. and trying to figure out what their day in the life and their pain points are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is is key to getting the customization that you need so that you can talk to all the different personas. So how would a your average SDR manager who, you know, they're, they're getting um, directives to, uh, you know, go out with a product message, like, mm-hmm. here's the product, mm-hmm. you want to buy it, you know, and yeah. we've created this product, and it, you know, it solves these problems. How do they Go about, um, you know, shifting their mentality from pushing the product to, yeah. you know, trying to figure out what the pain points are of their buyers.
1: Yeah. Well, so first of all, pushing the product is wrong. I mean, we are <laughs> we are, we should not be selling products. Just we shouldn't. Um, I think that that's where um, a lot of people have uh, gotten the wrong impression about what sales is really about. Um, there's plenty of information on our websites to tell people what our products do. Um, what's more important and the dots that we really need to connect to our prospects are the understanding of how we help people. And that is not just by selling them products. Instead, that is by truly understanding what their goals are, understanding the pain points or challenges that are preventing them from achieving those goals and then just getting out of their way and helping them understand that, like in many cases, I think some of the best SDR calls are the ones that we don't tell them at all about the product. Like we do we do clarify what we do. It's important for them to know we're apples, not oranges. Um, so it's perfectly reasonable to give them the category that we play in. But from there, it should be 100% focused on them. So some of the best calls, again, I was going to mention that I have heard are the ones where I cue up the problem and I talk about how we helped Uh, solve it for someone else and the results that they experienced from that i don't have to tell them how the product did it or what that's my carrot to get them to talk to sales right sales can go into all of that they can get them ready for a demonstration of how we do that they can do all of that but if i just connect on that pain again back to the you get my life um nine times out of ten that is going to be a much stronger connection and you're going to have a higher likelihood of converting that person into a qualified meeting
0: okay Excellent. So the homework is go out and figure out what the main pain points are of your buyers and become fluent in those so that you yeah. can talk about those I, problems all day. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I would distill it down even further. It's like, um, you know, all the buyer persona work is great. Like we absolutely want to understand as much as we can about who, who that person is and what their challenges are. But uh, the, the, the piece I mentioned before is really important as well. Understanding their goals and not just the goals that I care about. But where do I fall in their pecking order of priorities? And so understanding the true, like, how is this person given OKRs around this? Like, how are they metric? What is their good job metric around the particular things that they're up against? And where do I fall in that? Now, hopefully, I fall closer to the top of that list rather than way down at the bottom but it's up to me to to make a compelling argument for potentially reordering that list if I believe that I have something of value to them, so understanding those goals and where I fall um, that's sort of like the, that's just the pragmatic approach right It's like we can't like not every solution is going to be the most important thing to every prospect, and so I have to understand where I fall next, I have to truly understand the challenges around my particular category, solution category, like what are they experiencing and how do they talk about that? So I'll just go back to the fact that the, the, in their own words piece is critical because when we lead with, we have a solution that makes you more effective or optimizes blah, blah, blah. People people don't talk like that. Like instead, what would be more important is to find out how they talk about it with their peers. Like, they go to an industry conference, they're at that happy hour later, and they're talking about the knuckleheads on their team that blah, 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 blah. It's like however they're expressing those, the the pain in the particular words that they're using, that's what I want to understand as an SDR. And once I can lock in on that, and we'll talk about how you do that in a second, but once I can lock in on that, that's the how that's the how I make that connection around you get my life. Now, how do we go get that information? Um, an SDR leader can often leads this effort in our projects. Um, we would ask them to say, like, great. It's great if you have product marketing helping around buyer personas and whatnot, but let's actually go to sales. Like, tell me about one of your prospects. Tell me about a very specific person and what they felt like. Or even better, let's try to go find a customer and ask them. Um, you know, so often we'll do an exercise where it's like, Hey, we just want to provide more value to other prospects, other people like you. Um, can you, can we just dig into your head a little bit more about what makes you tick? What do you worry about day in and day out? Like, what are your goals? What are you striving to? Where do we fall in that, that priority order of of things you got to go do? Um, so asking customers, um, another one is to actually find the person who is in that, um, um, prospective buyer role within your own organization. So, um, I'll give you an example. One of our clients, um, sells to it. Uh, they had the SCR organization go to their CIO and they did a series of brown bag lunches to really understand what he's up against and what his peers are talking about. And then they categorized all that into just a quick cheat sheet for the team of, um, bullet points or talking points. And they just translated that to all their messaging. And uh, I can't remember the exact number, but it increased their conversion on meetings for like 30%. Because all of a sudden, I was talking the language that that person can, that person gets, it's not marketing jargon. It's not, you know, sort of the typical pitching speak, if you will. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. I mean, I think that that I was hoping that you would say that because I think one of the most educational things that SDRs can do and the managers set up those brown bag lunches with the people that you're actually selling to at your company. They're probably just right down the hall. or And they're usually so
1: very willing. Like we just haven't asked them. I mean, in many cases, people are like, oh, I don't know the CIO. He's really busy. Well, yeah, but he is like he himself is also keenly interested in you guys selling more and so absolutely willing to take the time to to educate you.
0: Yeah, believe me, the, if the, we're not out selling and setting these appointments. Nobody's going to have a job, so don't worry about that. Okay. Um, and the, the other thing is, um, I, you know, if any sales reps are on the call, I think back, you know, when you're evaluating technology to plug into your sales development stack, for example, the, the sales meetings are terrible. I mean, no offense, anybody that's out there, but it's just the same exact pattern of mm-hmm. like one or two questions. Here's my slide deck. Let's slog through this. Here's how much it's going to cost. You know, I'll follow up with you next week. And it's just yeah. like, it's so boring. I yeah. th- I think of the, the best sales call that I've had in like the last five years um, was a guy who just opened up. Uh, you know, open-ended questions about what I was working on, what my problems were, and it was just like a being on a couch at the psychologist or something. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, get them talking because that's yeah. you know that's um, you know that's a little further down in the sales process. But for SDRs, you got to know that because if you want to become a sales rep, at yeah. some point in the future, you want to be fluent in those pain
1: points. Yeah, and and I. I would argue that, um, it is the earliest form of discovery. So that, that being able to connect with buyers, um, around their challenges and being able to, like a lot of them are like, well, I'm afraid to throw out a challenge. Cause what if it's the wrong one? Like, wouldn't it be better just to ask them? And I'm like, yeah, but why would they answer? <laughs> like they have no interest in answering, like, your questions like wh- why did you bother them today like a lot of times they're just holding like they're spending all of their energy just trying to be polite and get you off the phone so wouldn't it be great if right off the bat you could offer some value in the form of of, of perspective right so I work with other folks just like you not sure if you're experiencing this type of challenge but but I, we actually were able to help so and so address it blah 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 are you experiencing that or something similar and now now again it's like you've established yourself as credible to talk about the stuff that they're up against.
0: Right, right. And, and um, you can sift through your list, you know, pretty quickly, because if you haven't established that trust, they'll probably say no. And you can move on to the next person. Yeah, <laughs> if they don't have that, then why are we talking? Um, mm-hmm. But I think that 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 first five to 10 seconds on the, the call are so critical to establish yourself. And I, I really like that approach that you took. Mm-hmm. I'll try mm-hmm. to transcribe that um, for the notes for the podcast so that sure. people can pick it up and, <laughs> and, and take it from you. Gotcha. But, um, okay, so the other one I want to dig in on is the multi-touch, uh, you know, approach to mm-hmm. working with uh, prospects, okay? I think that the phone and email are, you know, they're, they're, there's, there's like a hammer and a nail. Like they're, they're just, like there's other tools in the toolbox that people can use that they're not using right now. And you, mm-hmm. met, you mentioned social, and there's video, and there's all these different things. Yeah. Um, have you seen anyone who does it well, where they string together all these things, and the, you know they make it work? Um,
1: yes and no. I mean, I would think the 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 key third pillar that I would highlight that our data shows is LinkedIn. Um, we still see tons of reps leveraging LinkedIn, um, and some are in the form of true in mails, like using it as a as almost a, another email platform, um, and others, it's you know connection requests though we don't necessarily recommend the blind connection request but but LinkedIn is an absolute is becoming the third required touch if you will um, and then there are all kinds of other social ones that folks are sort of leveraging like Twitter um, some some teams are even leveraging like um, um, uh, chat rooms or other types of forums depending on your prospect so um, I would say like those are those are fewer and farther between um, but we do see more and more teams starting to get creative with video and the the basic premise is is that um, emails are where direct mail was 10 years ago um, direct mail was so much so that nobody ever read it they started throwing it away um, now emails are to the point where like i've literally got so many emails that I just don't even see your email or it goes to my my spam folder and i literally never receive it and so what the key to multi-touch is is knowing that there is no silver bullet. Like there's no one channel or one way of doing things that works. It's actually all of them together that work in concert to give that prospect sort of a um, a memorable um, uh, piece of, of what you're trying to do. And so it's like if I flank them on all sides with email and phone, and social, and anything else that I can layer in, now they're starting to not only hear my voice on their voicemail, they're starting to see my email in their inbox, they see my picture on LinkedIn, Um, they're starting to, again, get all these different facets so I'm starting to become a real person to them. It's a lot harder to ignore a real person than it is to ignore one email. Um, So that's one aspect. The the important thing there is there has to be multiple channels. The which channels you choose, like you said, phone and email are the the hammer and the nail, Um, but having a third or even a fourth um, just layer on those levels of, of getting to the person. It also gives the prospect the, the opportunity to respond in the channel of their choice. So again a lot of folks say, oh nobody ever calls me back. Um, you know so why do I bother? Um, and everybody gravitates towards email even though all the pitfalls we just discussed against cotton spam and all that other stuff, one would argue that most people don't respond to emails, but because we're able to execute so many more of them at once, we tend to not notice that as much. Um, but, but the fact of the matter remains, there are still some prospects that do call you back. There are still some prospects that get your message and look at your email. And so, again, it's, the, it's using all of those channels to drive them to respond in the channel of their choice.
0: Yes. And even if I, I had Nick Ezzo, who's uh, running uh, demand yep. gen at, at Host Analytics, who's, and if you have a great partner you know, further up the funnel like Nick, I mean, he, he he's in lockstep with the SDRs around, you know, he wants the, you know, you get the accounts that you want to break into. He wants them to see banners. He wants them to see blog posts. He wants them yep. to get a mug, you know, <laughs> get a pair of shoes. Yep. Like, um, so that finally when the SDR calls, it's it's like, who the heck, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Like, okay. like, uh, Well, and, and yeah.
1: effectively, like we talked about earlier, it's no more cold. Like it's no longer cold. It might might just barely be lukewarm, sure, but it, it's not really cold because we, we flank them from all angles.
0: Definitely. And let me ask you this. Since we're talking about channels, what about events? Um, it seems like being in lockstep with the field marketing team and really leveraging events to get meetings set up, people like to go to events. If events are cool. Um, I've, have you heard of anyone really effectively using uh, events to to get some meetings going?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we do see teams, especially from an account-based approach. Um, we see events, but let's be honest, events are very expensive. Yeah. And so it depends on your target market. Um, if you have those prospects that are, let's say, leaning more towards enterprise, they're higher value in terms of potential account value, um, yeah, events totally make sense. Um, but if you're talking like SMB, um, it can get a lot more expensive. And so it really does depend on your target market. But that being said, um, we often seem to, you know, the, one of the common <laughs> complaints that I hear from SDRs is, you know, marketing wants me to call and invite people to this dinner or invite people to this event. And they sort of say it with like disdain in their voice. <laughs> and they're like rolling their eyes and they're like, well, I got to do it because they want me to. And it's like, well, how about this? How about call and qualify the person and use the event as an opportunity to do an in-person handoff? Like, okay. Okay. So it's sort of like a think about what we're using those events for. And so when we take a more high-value prospect, when we have – I mean trade shows aside, we'll talk about those in a second. But when I have those potentially more high-value um, for most desirable target events um, – let's gate them. Let's make them really exclusive. I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about, you know, if this event makes sense for you rather than just an outright invitation. Um, you know, let's, let's create some, some mystery and intrigue and get those folks to those events that really want to be there. Um, and so we, we can do that now for the trade shows style type of events. Um, those are good. I would argue that the same thing applies though. Like if I'm going to have my SDRs calling and leveraging events, um, Certainly, having them drive people to that event. I want them to be qualifying first, like because again, why would I blindly spend all this time inviting someone to an event if I don't even know that they're the right person we should talk to? Um, and then the same goes for using events. Like I've seen SDRs actually schedule time for themselves to have those qualification calls when they're working, you know, the booth at an event. That's great, um, and then they can do a live handoff right there to sales and be like, hey, you know, Joe wanted to introduce you to blah blah blah, and do the live handoff right there.
0: I like so that. we do I
1: see them work, but they are expensive. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> that's the only thing. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, yeah. when you have a huge group, um, it, it makes me think, how do how do people that you've seen, like the best in class, uh, prioritize their lists? Um, say, for example, they want to do an account based Program and divide out the list between yeah. the sales reps and SDRs and A, B, C, and D and and things like mm-hmm. that. Or post event, like say you get a list of a thousand people who stop by the booth at the conference. Um, how do you see people prioritize that so that you know people you're not just like blinded by all this stuff?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, first and foremost, like um, you know, a score is sort of different than than the ICP, so traditionally MQL scores and all of that, like I think SDRs just in general don't necessarily trust them anymore. And so what's more important is to say like, does this account fall within our ICP? And if it does, we should have an orchestration plan for how to attack. Um, And I mean attack affectionately, but um, (laughs) it's like if if they fall within our ICP, there are going to be folks in that ICP that are, all of them are valuable, but they're going to be folks that maybe have a higher potential value or folks that were saying, look, we're actively focusing on those. So we may rank those as our A's, which means that we are doing a concerted effort with marketing, with sales development, with sales um, to flank them um, on all different angles. So we, we call that uh, account-based orchestration. And so what that means is that we've devised a plan literally for each account that this is how we're going to go after them. So marketing knows that the event is happening on you know, 30 days from now, we know that tomorrow the invite is going out and tomorrow plus three days, the SDRs are going to start their follow-up. And we have this series of orchestrated events that lead us up to, um, the ultimate event that we're going to do. And then this, a similar post event series of activities that we do. Um, and so all of that stuff collectively together creates an experience for our potential buyers that we're trying to, 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 to draw them in. Right. And so, um, it's sort of a longer conversation to how to do the prioritization, but it really should come back to whatever your ICP is um, and, and doing that prioritization based on that. Now, um, one thing is uh, commonly here is like, great, we did our ICP and we've got 3,000 accounts in there and I've got three <laughs> SDRs. So how should I go attack? Do they each get 1,000? And we're like, no, nobody can realistically manage 1,000 accounts at one time. So there's this concept of active versus inactive. Like who are the folks that I'm actively pursuing on all angles? Um, Same for marketing. They have limited capacity. So it has to make sure that they have the capacity to support what I need them to support and sales has the capacity to sort of take it on. And so we might cycle in folks into an active role that we're pursuing versus an inactive role, which we're going to be more opportunistic. And then we would, we would rotate and refresh those accounts um, as, as we, we get them through that orchestration plan. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. And and it gets me thinking like a few years ago, there was a trend of having like a chief revenue officer. And it mm-hmm. gets me to think about org charts and mm-hmm. how the org charts are really still set up um, on the demand gen model. So you still have a separation of silos between marketing and sales and, mm-hmm. and sales development and um, different people are reporting to different other people and they've got different OKRs. And, you know, it's, it's still this this like disorganized mess. But when you're talking about orchestration, mm-hmm. you know, I, I felt like the promise of having a CRO was that they were going to be over, you know, this whole revenue side of the house. Mm-hmm. But what really ended up happening is they, they were just VPs of sales, you know, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was just with a fancier name. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a yeah. fair
1: point. I mean, the, part of the challenge, I think, is, um, orchestration is hard. Like it's, yeah. it's really hard to, to get that many people moving in lockstep together. And so often what we tell organizations is that start with just marketing and SDRs and let's get that process really glued together because most of what we're doing as sales development and marketing are, are often done in parallel. So instead of thinking about it, that marketing does their piece and then hands it off to sales development and we do our piece. Um, there, there is some of that, but to your point on what Nick says, you know, there will be stuff that comes inbound, but marketing should continue to do some of those additional air cover types of activities. They should be, um, nurturing prospects with content. They should be doing banner ads. They should be all kinds of stuff while we're doing our outbound activities or our inbound follow up and collectively together. We can sort of like make sure that our, that our different activities are done thoughtfully, um, you know, (laughs) an orchestrated to (laughs) use a definition with itself. Um, but just to make sure that we are doing those in concert together and, and thoughtfully. And really what we're both driving towards, um, is the handoff of target account pipeline, right? So we are, are, um, Doing all of these activities to these accounts that matter to try and create pipeline that ultimately matters for the organization. And so, instead of trying to wrangle everybody all together, just focus on those demand gen efforts and those SDR efforts and how they should work in parallel, as opposed to this siloed um, handoff of one to the other.
0: Yeah, no, I agree, and that's that's a great uh, you know aspiration for SDR managers if if you're looking you know, five years down the road, what do I want to do or where do I want to take this whole thing? I mean, if you can step up and be a leader in the organization of, of driving that alignment and that orchestration, right? Cool. I mean, that's going to help you to, uh, you know, to launch your career and just... Uh, yeah, new direction. So,
1: and and one thing I just want to um, a- add for my own rule, add in a little more specificity. Yeah, um, this can be fairly simple to start orchestration. So it doesn't have to be like literally we're changing the whole process overnight. Start with one campaign that marketing is doing, and let's again thirty days out. Let's just like let's sit together and and just craft out what the next thirty days should look like. On which days should marketing do which activities, and on which days should I and sales development do my activities. Trial it with a small number of accounts, work through the kinks, iterate, and then roll it out to sort of our greater, like everything we're working on. But, um, it can be, it can literally be just a, a spreadsheet that tracks like what happens on what day, um, to make sure that again, things are thoughtful. And so what that gives me as an SDR, is now I can refer to those marketing activities more intelligently because I know which day they're being executed, um, and I can sort of refer to that messaging in a more thoughtful way, um, and then I can still do my my own research and discovery to understand how to tailor that message more effectively
0: no, I love that i mean that's the, I love just a micro project to prove it out <laughs> and get it going instead of trying to boil the whole ocean right as they say yeah um, and uh, you know I just I remember. Um, trying to drive this process within an organization where marketing was like on a different floor than the sales development team. And we had a meeting every Wednesday where we would bring up this huge Trello board. And it was like, you know, projects that are coming, what's happening right now, who's supposed to do what, and we would just kind of move the cards around. And, you know, even that, it just was showing people, here's what you're supposed to be doing. Here's what SDRs is supposed to be doing, demand gen. And it was painful, right? Because people were just like, ugh, so, you know, we're being held accountable for this. Like, <laughs> this blows. <laughs> I just want to go back and create a bunch of MQLs, throw them over to you guys and go home. You know, so mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy. No, for sure. definitely
1: not. And, <laughs> and that's why we see teams mostly doing it again for those highest value accounts, right? Like, I mean, the, it doesn't work well when you're trying to do volume and velocity. Um, there are some ways to do orchestration thoughtfully, but a lot of times you just want to get out of the way of progress. Um, and so, but for those bigger, heavier accounts, like this is what's going to create that best buyer experience. And this is honestly, this is the stuff that gets our SDRs excited because now we're having real exciting, meaningful calls with prospects. And it's just, it just makes the job more fun.
0: No, I love it. And, and that's, that's what it's all about, you know, learning and growing and getting better. So this is perfect. What is coming up now on your roadmap as far as what, what are you working on? Do you, I know that you guys have some events coming up. Yeah. Um, give us a little snapshot.
1: Yeah, so um, uh, our biggest thing, so so Topo is always always working on new research. Um, so mm-hmm. we have some new research coming down the pipe. We actually just published our account-based funnel. And then very shortly here, we're going to publish our sales development funnel, um, which is not just pure account-based, but it's really like all the things, the critical operating milestones you should think about for sales development. Um, we also have our sales development technology report coming out shortly, as well as our sales benchmark. So lots of exciting new research coming out. Um, and then the, the big event that we have coming up is our Topo Summit. And that's really a, a gathering of like a thousand plus sales and marketing leaders, um, to talk about a lot of the specifics and best practices and research around many of the things we talked about today. Um, it's one of the few events out there that does have a dedicated sales development track as well as a dedicated account based track. Um, I, I, in particular, my background is, again, so heavy in sales development that I, I find that to be, um, uniquely magical about our event. Um, There are a few other sales development events out there, but what we do is we bring in um, our analysts to present on some of that research to give some of that value. But then we bring in a ton of practitioners. We don't allow vendors or consultants to speak. We just allow the people that are in the seat that are peers um, to talk a lot about uh, the challenges that they're experiencing. Some of them may be slightly ahead of you in, in your evolution as a team. Some might be slightly behind, but it's that glimpse under the hood that really makes it uh, so impactful and gives you some of those, those um, interesting insights to take back to your team. And then the other thing that we do as part of that event as well is we have a track dedicated to the reps themselves. And so we call it our effectiveness track, sales effectiveness. Um, it'll have a series of sessions dedicated to all the fundamental things that make sales development reps, reps successful um, and sales reps. So it'll be things like outbound process prospecting or um you know high value messaging how to create those um for, for sales reps we do things like um how to do better discovery and demo like what that really means and best practices around that we'll have probably sessions around social selling so it's it's a really awesome opportunities for reps to get like a two-day intensive of all the things that they should be thinking about or doing to make themselves just better um, at execution so we're really excited for that that's coming up on april 12th and 13th uh, here in san francisco
0: Oh, yes. And I, I, everyone on this call should be there. I mean, I went last year and the networking, the connections, the, the speakers, the, you know, usually you come out with the research, um, you mm-hmm. know, that you'd been working on, you go through how you put it together, um, you know, and it sounds like you've got a track for, you know, leaders, managers, mm-hmm. reps. I mean, everyone, everyone, you know, that's interested in this um, space should be there. I'm, I'm going to be there. And I'm I'm excited to to participate. So,
1: yeah, and I'm happy you know. to um you know as if you get anyone that's showing interest um you know from podcast itself, send them my way, and I'm happy to see what we can do to to get them there in terms of discounts and stuff.
0: Yeah, you got it. Hey, okay, so Christina <laughs> McMillan on the record. <laughs> Hit her up. Um, i have to do it. <laughs> um, I I will put up your LinkedIn, your Twitter, and your your uh, you all your contact info. You. Uh, Well, Christina, thank you so much for jumping on today. This has been so informative and I cannot wait to uh, get my hands on those research pieces that are coming out and to see you at the summit. So thank you.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much for having
0: me, David. Is your sales development program firing on all cylinders? Are your people, processes, and technology aligned to get you the appointments, pipeline, and close one you need to be able to hit your goals? Finding experts in the field of sales development is a real struggle, but you have to hit your pipeline numbers today, not sometime in the future when you can step back and take a wider look at your program. TenBound is ready to help. Head over to tenbound.com for more information and to sign up for a free assessment of your current program. That's tenbound.com.